Welcome to Hairstylist Rising Podcast. Together, we are going to dive deep into mindset, marketing, and finding fulfillment in this beautiful industry. I'm your host, Jody Brown, and I am a hairstylist veteran turned online entrepreneur and mindful marketing mentor just for beauty pros. No topic is off limits. We are going to pull back the curtain and discover the success secrets of hairstylists that are rising. Hi, and welcome to the Hairstylist Rising Podcast. Today's episode is so fun. I'm recording this after the fact, and I want to tell you guys a little bit about what to expect from today's episode. So my guest is Daryl Starkey, who is a salon owner and educator in Skagness, England. And what we're talking about today is some of the ins and outs of getting into competitions and fashion and the avant-garde side of the hair world. And Daryl has done an incredible job getting some really great opportunities with brands he loves and his take on getting through adversity to achieve your goals is something that I think you're really, really going to enjoy. So without further ado, we're going to bring on my guest, Daryl Starkey. Thank you so much for joining me today, Daryl. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. I always start the podcast by kind of going back to the beginning because I think it's so interesting to see the origin story behind some of the hairstylists that have achieved really cool things in the industry. So how did you get into the hairdressing industry? So my stepmom is a hairdresser, but I didn't actually enter hairdressing because of her. I was always wanted to be a performer, musical theater, stage shows, all that sort of things. But then... I was struggling with the course. It just wasn't what it was meant to be when I was training. Um, And I found myself walking through a shopping centre or a mall, as they probably call it, over there. And I sat outside a salon and I was just watching them work for hours. Um, The next day I went past and they had an apprentice sign in the window. I walked in in jogging bottoms and a vest top after doing a dance dance class and said, how do I apply for this job? And she was like, I'll interview you now if you want. I was like, I'm not dressed for an interview. She went, I'm not bothered how you dressed. I'm bothered about how you come across. And it sort of went from there. Wow, that's so cool. So did you get that job? (laughs) Yes, yeah, yeah. Yeah. She literally (laughs) gave me the job on the spot. Um, She said I interviewed really well. She said she wasn't bothered about that I wanted to leave a career. She was bothered about about that I found the passion. And she said she noticed me sitting outside her shop for an hour the day before, which was a good thing for my career because she noticed me before I even walked through the door. That's amazing. You know, it's interesting when I look at, I'm super into like looking at, you know, personality types and all those kinds of things. And whenever it looks at like the suggested careers for creatives, hairdressers always in there with like artist, performer, singer, author, all of those things. So I think it's kind of a natural evolution to go into that creative industry from where you were before. Oh, 100%. It's helped me be confident to talk to clients, get on stage at shows, um, to do the stuff that I'm doing in the industry now. Obviously, my background in performing has really gave me that boost of confidence to be able to just go, do you know what, go for it. Yeah, absolutely. I think, and that's half the battle, I think, when it comes to making moves in in the beauty industry is just having the courage to kind of take the risk and take the leap. How long have you been in the industry then? Because I know you're a salon uh, owner now. Yeah, on and off for 13 years. So I was in it for three years when I got my qualification and then left it for five years and then it came back five years ago. What would you say was like 
the turning point in your career? Like, what would you say was the moment that you're like, you know what, this is where I'm meant to be and where you fi- where you felt kind of like you'd found your place in the beauty industry? Yes. Yeah, so originally I thought becoming a salon owner was what I wanted to do. So obviously I achieved that goal and then it was just sort of like, oh, this isn't everything it's cracked up to be. It's a lot harder than like people made out to it for it to be like four years ago. And that's when I really started pushing my name in the industry, going to all the events, starting to work out how I could become a name. So I, that's when I actually found myself by going out there and putting my name into the industry, putting myself forward for competitions, creating my own like brand, my content, doing photo shoots and finalizing from, for some of the biggest awards in the British hairdressing industry and internationally it's really helped me recognize and find my passion for like the, the, the career I'm in. That's the amazing thing about being a hairdresser. I think there's so many different avenues all the way from educating in salon to all the way to that avant-garde high fashion session, session styling. So there's so many different avenues that you can take. Oh, 100%. Like, uh, you've got, obviously, people who just want to work behind the chair, which there's nothing wrong with that. My team are that type of people. They love work. They love their job. You've got yeah. um, salon owners. You've also got people who want to go on stage. You've got people who want to educate. You've got, like, educators who teach in colleges. And, and, and then you've got the people who go out and do all the big industry work and session, fashion shoots, and fashion shows. You've got so such a... It's not a career in hairdressing doesn't mean just one lane there's like it's like a branch you can branch off into so many different platforms in the industry which is incredible yeah a hundred percent and I think it's something that you don't really a lot of people don't realize until they're in it and that's something that I really credit social media in the past you know five ten years to kind of exposing all of the different possibilities to the average hairdresser whereas before it was you know a little bit about connections and if you you know hooked up with one of those big brand names whereas now there's so much opportunity and i think that building a global community of hairstylists on social media has been a big part of that yeah definitely so for myself obviously anybody who knows the uk in england they know london everyone yeah. has heard of london because that sounds like our capital city that's where you where you used to have to be to become a named person in the industry but since social media has come along like my, for myself i live in skegness lincolnshire which is a three and a half hour drive from london or if you go like even with like public transport going to get on a train you still have to drive to a train station to get on a train and stuff like that it's i'm really far out of out of the the, like this the city centers and that sort of thing it takes me ages to get to anywhere but because of social media I was but I was able to push my name socially before I then physically turned up but then you I balanced the two where I was doing it on social media and then turning up to the events doing the shoots putting myself out there and I was able to use the two as a fine balance I think yeah, I love that. I can attest to Skegness being in the middle of nowhere. I actually lived in Sutton-on-Sea for <laughs> for a few years when I moved back to England. So it definitely is a little bit out there. And that's it's yes. really amazing that you've been able to to create kind of what you've created from from anywhere, basically, now. Like, so, Sutton-on-Sea is like just about 20 minutes up the road as well. <laughs> yeah, my dad actually worked at Butlins. I think I told you this before. So we used to go to Skegness. Yes. All the time. So I think sometimes when we see people achieve really great things in their career, we think that, you know, some somehow it was they were given a leg up or or they got lucky. And so I love to kind of chat about like what was the biggest challenge 
that you faced in your career and how did you overcome it and what did you learn from that? Because I know the road is not always easy. Oh, God, no, the road's definitely not easy. For one thing, you say there, a leg up. I've not been given a leg up. If anything, I've been pushed down. And when I say pushed down, I don't mean in a bad way. Obviously, entering competitions, you do get the rejections and you do get those knockbacks. So mm-hmm. that's where I mean the push down. So it's harder. Your fight has got to be there. You've got to not let these little setbacks or these rejections get to you because it is hard and it can eat you up from the inside out. Like you put on a brave face, but you keep going. And there was a turning point a couple of years ago where I just thought, what I was trying to enter competitions to like to win because I want the brand to want me and by doing that I'd sort of suck up in a way I'd do what they expected I thought they expected and then it was a turning point over do you know what no I'm not going to do what people expect like I think people expect of me I'm going to do what I want and that was a turning point for me in my career where actually I got I got a bit more recognition um, I got more respect in the industry because I was putting myself there out there as a personal person, not more of a suck up in the industry. And I just think that people just need to sit like competitions are hard. Like you go into it, everybody goes into a competition to win. And if they say they don't, they're lying because that's why you <laughs> enter a competition. But you also got to look at it. If you don't win, what are you going to gain from that? And that's the way I look at it now. Yes, I'm entering a competition because I want to win that competition. But also, what am I going to achieve by entering that competition? Is it worthwhile for me moving forward? And if it's not going to represent you or your your personal brand moving forward, there's no point you entering it. Totally. And I think that just that reframing, like, you know, if you don't win, like reframe that perceived failure into like, what can you learn and the lesson you can take from it? Oh, definitely. So my collection, Roots, which was my first collection I launched literally near enough a year ago. So we shot it a week before the UK went into lockdown, the first ever lockdown. And that was about basically all the, not about how to find your foundation, your roots, how roots grow. And that was basically my collection was about growth and about how I grew in the industry and how I didn't let knockbacks let me like push me down. I, I used them as like when one door closes, another door opens, that sort of thing. And that's why I produced that first collection. I love that. And that's a really tough lesson to learn, especially I think when you're first entering into the industry, because that's why I think it's so important to be rock solid in your purpose. Because if you, if you're really clear about what it is that you want to achieve, you can absorb those knockbacks a little bit easier. Oh yeah. Like the first four years ago when I was getting these rejections, it hurt because Uh I was putting too much pressure on myself and the only the only reason I entered the competition was to win. I never seen it as a, a growth or a learning um, like learning opportunity. But then when I re- rebalanced my mind and I looked at competitions in a different way, yes, I'm still going there to win because that's the whole point of a competition. But then I thought, right, if you can't win, what am I going to gain from it? And then I put into like I do a, a five bullet points on what am I going to achieve from a competition. And if I can't think of five bullet points, I'm not entering that competition because I'm not going to gain anything from it. And I'll be wasting the judges' opportunity to see people who are really passionate about that competition. And I'll be wasting my time when I could be putting my heart and my soul into something else that is going to work for myself. Oh, I love that. I love that take on it. And that's really, that's. I feel like just from listening to you, like hair is 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 an art form to you, right? Like would I be correct in assuming that? Oh, hair's not a job for me, but hair's my career, it's my passion, it's my drive, it's literally everything. Like, even though I'm in lockdown, I've just moved house recently, and my garage, my um, conservatory, 
is my studio now, like for where I work. So I've got my computer all set up, obviously doing this podcast. Behind me, I've got a complete setup of doll heads, colors and everything. And I, like, this is where I educate from now during lockdown. Oh, that's amazing. So I would love to hear a little bit more about that then. So since the lockdown, when did you guys first go into lockdown in the UK? For us, it was March of last year. So March last year. So I think it was around the 23rd of March last mm-hmm. year. Okay. Yeah. I remember my last day behind the chair was March 21st. So I think that's exactly the, exactly the same time. So what's changed for you in that past year? Like how, I know I've seen you talk a little bit too about like mental health and all those kinds of things, which I think is so important, but how did you balance like obviously the struggles of being a salon owner and having all of that shut down and then you know, taking that time and creating what you've created digitally since then. So how did you balance that? What was that like? Yeah, so in the first lockdown, which I don't mind talking about, I went through a breakup. I was with someone for 10 years, married and everything, and I went through a breakup. So I threw myself into digital content to push myself even further within the industry, which actually went surprisingly better than expected, obviously. A lot of people jumped on it, which is where I started to do like some online education through Instagram. Um, And I was doing it all for free. And it's where where I really found like a passion that actually, no, I'm quite a good educator. I'm loyal to the brands that I work with. I'm not the sort of person that will flip flop between brands just because there's an opportunity. I stick to the brands that I love because I love that brand for a reason. And then I started to get more known. People loving the content I was putting out there. And then I continued that all the way through the first lockdown, which obviously was about four months. Went back into work. I was still keeping myself on social media, doing a little bit of content because obviously we were really busy going back to work. Lockdown two came about, which was um, in November for us. And that's when I actually started to do paid education, when I started to like launch my own education, which I did with Nicola Ham. We created the Hair Cooperative Art Team which we put, like created at the start of 2020, but we turned it into an education platform to c- continue it forward for now. We did free courses and they all sold out, which was great. And then obviously this lockdown come around, I was like, right, what what education can I do? And that's when I started to put these really amazing courses on that have been unique, I find. And from the feedback I'm getting, it's courses that people want to hear about and want to see, but they're not just the traditional colouring course. They're not, it's not the traditional cutting course. I don't cut, but it's like, it's not the, just the normal courses that you'll go on. They're courses with a difference. I think that's the key when you're creating digital education, honestly, because, you know, from an outside perspective, when I came across your page, I loved the fact that you could tell who you are. And I think that's the key when you're creating digital education, it's not so much about, you know, it is about your information, but it's also about you as your brand and, you know, what, how you communicate with your audience, like what your point of difference is, is almost is how you present yourself. So I think that's a really interesting kind of point about digital education is there's lots of information out there. So how do you set yourself apart? And did you find it difficult to transition from the free education the first time into paid education? Yes and no. I'm not charging a lot for my education at the minute. There are uh, between 10 to 20 pounds UK pound, like um, sterling. But that's only because of the current climate we're in. People are struggling with money. So I weren't going to put courses out there that were going to be a lot a lot of money because obviously people are obviously penny pinching because of the situation we're all in and there's not the funds available so I thought right it's a great opportunity to put out not I wouldn't say cheap education still amazing education they're getting a lot of value for the money they're paying 
but putting out that education is basically going to give them the thing to then want to book back. And I'm getting what I'm seeing is there's a lot of repeat bookings of the education. So I've got this. I'm about to do my third paid education course on Sunday coming up, like since lockdown number three. And I've found that people who booked on number one booked on number two and is booking on number three as well. So I'm finding because of the the value they're getting for their money. They're like, no, actually, I've, I, I want to go on more of his courses because they get what they get more than it's like they pay, they pay for. That's amazing. That's I think that's such a great thing to do, especially when you're getting when you're starting out, right? Like, if you can over deliver, you're going to build loyalty, and then people are going to talk about it, and people are going to want to share what you've what you've been able to give them. So I think that's really important. Yeah, um, definitely. And obviously, when you say about loyalty, there it's like. When I in the first few lockdowns, like you know me through Affinage, mm-hmm. for instance, at ASP Affinage Salon Professional, but I'm actually not associated them in the, with them in any way. It's just because I'm a loyal customer of theirs. I love their products. That yes, I have tried to get onto their artistic team, and I wouldn't say I failed. I was very, very close. And when it comes around again, I will get a place. That's how determined I am. But because of the passion and the loyalty I've shown that brand, people associate me with that brand as well, which is good because I put out the right information that's needed for a brand like that. Like I'm spreading the word for free. I'm talking about like their products and I'm giving delivering education for them, which also helps that brand as well, which in turn it works both ways. And they do support me with like some free products and stuff to help with my education. Cause obviously I'm delivering it through using their stuff, but it's, mm-hmm. it's like that. It's that loyalty that I have with brands and stuff like that, that, that do sort of represent me in good stead when it comes to the industry as well. Oh, I love that. The worst thing that you can ever hear when you go for an opportunity is no. And if you don't go for the opportunity, it's a no anyway. So I love that you're like creating your own path and you're creating your own opportunity with a brand that you love, even though like the traditional route may not have worked out last time. I think that's really inspiring. Yeah, definitely. It's. I think that again, it's all about the opportunities. Like for me, there's still an opportunity for me with the brand. Like I've been offered so many opportunities to move from that brand since not getting onto their artistic team. But it's not about jumping ship for me. I love the brand because I love their products. I didn't love the brand because of the opportunities they were going to get from, right. I was going to get from them. I love the brand because I love their products and I want to gain more through through working with them. And I think that's what people need to do is like, if you love a product company, but you're not getting anywhere, stick with them because you never know what's going to happen in future. They, they are always looking out for people. And if if people see you, especially on social media, you're tagging this brand, that brand, this brand, that brand, they're going to spot that and they're going to say, well, they're not exactly loyal to us, so why should we offer them an opportunity? Because because especially with social media now, they're no longer looking at figures and numbers. They're looking at content, which is what I think should have happened in like years ago. But this is what they're coming to now. They, they know that like the amount of followers don't mean anything it's about the content and the the person behind the brand that they're looking for now well absolutely and as a social media like manager and content creator i can say the amount of followers does not have any relevance on the engagement and i think that's brands are wising up now and people are wising up now that it's not about you know someone can have a hundred thousand followers and you know only a hundred of the 
of them are engaged. Whereas someone can have 4,000 or, you know, 500 followers, but every single one of those people is actually like trusting and is able to be influenced by that person because of the relationship they have. And so I think we're going to see the way that, you know, quote unquote, influencer collaborations work is going to change in the next little bit because people are getting smart and they're realizing the values in the relationships and that content versus the vanity metrics. Yeah, totally agree with that. So what would you say is the biggest surprise that you've had in the last year? Me? That sounds like weird for me to say me, but I'm the biggest surprise. My mental attitude changed and there was nothing wrong with me being in a relationship or anything like that. But when you have to go it alone, it was, I had to switch up my mental attitude in a way that I've never had to do, not had to do for 10 years. So I had to literally think, right, it, everything is dependent on me now. Like there's not someone else that you can fall back onto. Everything is dependent on what I do. So I need to make sure that I'm putting out the best work possible to give me the best opportunities to bring in the money into my house because I haven't got that, that co-person to bring in stuff into the household now. And obviously I've got an 11-year-old son. So obviously everything that I do reflects on him as well. Because obviously if I achieve, he achieves because obviously he'll, he'll experience the rewards with me. So I think for me, like the biggest surprise is how I have managed, how I've coped and how I've come out of it. Like I've come out of it stronger. I've come out of it like better and I've branded myself in a new and exciting way. And I think a lot of people have noticed that recently. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. And it's so true. Like it's, you know, I'm also a a parent and I have a six-year-old son. So, you know, when you go into business for yourself and when you're, you know, working so hard, creating all this content, especially in the beginning, because I feel like building a brand is very front loaded. Like it takes a lot of you in the beginning, but it's so, for me, I always think about like how how much it's going to let, you know, the person looking up to me and, you know, my child know that if he's prepared to work and he's prepared to like put himself into something that you can literally achieve what you put your mind to. And I think that that's a really great thing that you're teaching your child and then other hairstylists in the industry. I think it's such a great lesson. Oh yeah. I'm not where I am now without the struggles. It's been a four, three, four year like journey to get where I am nothing happens overnight especially when you've got to fight for it and obviously with this industry becoming a dog eat dog world you've got to fight but it's about being consistent it's about being professional being loyal and just producing the work like producing the work that's going to get you known as well like if you're not producing higher high enough quality work you're going to be looked upon differently and i when i was putting out content like four years ago my work was good but the images or the way i put my my bios out there under the image just wasn't great and obviously it's all that sort of stuff does come into play and obviously it's a like three four year journey to of educating myself going and doing education assisting some of the biggest names out there and like in the uk hairdressing industry not just uk some of these are global as well to get to where i am now yeah i love that especially when you're looking at that you know into that competition and that session styling world definitely the the imagery and there's so much to it Like there's so much more to it than just, you know, creating a great hairstyle. So that's probably been a big thing that you've, that you've come across in the past year for sure. 
Yeah, definitely. Like I was lucky enough to be a finalist for the um, British Hairdressing Awards this year. So in the trend image category, and one of my images got into the final six. And to get that, that was the first time ever entering that competition. And to become a finalist on the biggest hairdressing awards in the UK, in England, the first time round is a huge achievement. And with that comes pressure because if I enter again next this year, which I'm going to be, the pressure's on to be able to make it again. Because people are now looking like you're a front runner, you were in the final six. Are you going to get there again? Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I think like we have a competition in Canada called Contessa. I think it's probably very similar. Like you submit yes, imagery it's and it's it's very rare for people to make it that far in the first year. So I think that's really impressive. Yeah, I think uh, Tracy Devine-Smith's been up for a few of your worlds over there, hasn't she? Yeah, I think so, actually. Yeah, I, I love how the world is getting smaller. I love how we're, you know, it's so much more of a global hairdressing community. Could you speak on that a little bit? Because I know that you've created some, you know, some really great relationships. And I don't know whether that's from like before or, you know, with social media, but can you speak on the importance of community in the hairdressing industry? Because there's so many different um, parts of it are competitive, but then I find that there's parts of it that have become really supportive over the past um, five years. So what do you think on that? Yeah, definitely. I think that now obviously water, it doesn't mean anything, especially when you've got the internet. Mm -hmm. So obviously, yeah, before you had to jump on a plane and travel, but now with the click of a button, you can be like for me in Canada, and I was took over Alliance Beauty doing a um, live with Let Lou, hosting to a totally different audience. And before, without social media, we wouldn't have been able to do that. We would have had to travel. And it's such a great opportunity. And I think it's just like reaching out and making those connections honest and open. Don't fake a connection with someone just because you want an opportunity. Like, I do think that the connections are built on like trust and foundations and stuff like this. And I love the fact that we can send a message to someone and just be like, do you know what? Your work is amazing. Even if they're in China, for instance, do you know what I mean? Like if you yeah. really believe someone's work is amazing, send them a message because that could be the highlight of their day. And it is like the world's getting smaller because the internet is getting bigger and it brings opportunities. It brings freedom. It brings influencing because obviously all over the world, everyone has a different influence into their hair right now in the uk we're going through like a shag 90s 70s remix type of like comeback where mm-hmm. in america in france in china in japan there could be so many different influences hitting their industry right now that we can take inspiration from everyone and i think the global connections that we can make will help our industry as a hot like worldwide grow and become an industry that people look upon to go into rather than frown upon Yes, totally. I love what you said too about that like influence in the different like, you know, in fashion and hair and all those things. I remember when we first, when I first came over to Canada, we were probably still like a good year or two behind a lot of the trends that were coming out in the UK and in Europe. And now with the internet, I feel like everything's equalized a bit more and everyone is influencing each other, which is really cool. Yeah, I think that's the way it's always been like that. I think it's always been we influence each other, but it used to be hidden. I think people used to hide where their influence came from, but now I think it's more open and it's nice. I think if someone was influenced by something I've taught them or they've seen from me, I want to know about it. I'd love to praise them and I'd love to see how they've 
how they came up with their interpretation. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, we're not like hoarding our information and knowledge as much anymore. Like it's definitely, it's, you know, it's if someone's influenced by you or is inspired by your work, I think it, it it's flattering. And, you know, of, of course you want credit and to be told about it. But I think it's really cool that the, the hair industry is becoming a lot more abundant and we're not kind of, we're not scared to share anymore, which I think is is my favorite thing that's come out of this past year. So yeah, it is. It's like it's so good that like the world, the hair community, the beauty community, have really have pulled together in the worst twelve months ever. Yeah, a hundred percent. So if you could impart one piece of advice for other hairstylists that are thinking about getting into competitions and wanting to kind of create the career that you've created, what would that, what would you tell them? What would you say to someone who wanted to get started? Never say no. There's always an opportunity. For me, I went and assisted about 10, 10, 15 people at my cost. They did, they did pay me. I paid for my travel, my accommodation, my equipment. But from that, I gained free education. I got to do shows with them. I got to learn new skills. I got to watch them work. Obviously, then obviously they they knew my name as well. So I would always say never say no to an opportunity that's going to help you grow. So where can people find you if they want to find out more about you, which I'm sure everyone will after listening to this episode? So you've got my Instagram, which is at hair by Daryl. And obviously I'm all over Instagram. I'm on there loads and loads of times. And you will find me if they want to look at any of the work. It's all on there. But if they, obviously if they go to a like Alliance Beauty and stuff as well, there's a lot of reshares and there's IGTV on there of myself and Let Lou. But then they can also find me on Facebook because I do my Facebook is mainly even though it's I do post a few pictures sometimes. It is my work profile and it's Daryl Starkey. And then I have TikTok as well, which is at Hair by Daryl. But that's mainly just crazy videos of me being crazy with hair. <laughs> Perfect. Thank you so much for taking the time to join me on the show today, Daryl. It's been really great talking to you. It's been my pleasure. Thank you so much for joining me on today's episode of the Hairstylist Rising podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, screenshot wherever you're listening from and take me on Instagram at it's Jody Brown or at it's 